You are listening to CMM, Children Matter Most, on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Eating less is a good way to keep weight off, and that certainly is a major indicator of successful bariatric surgery. So take a lesson from Yogi Berra, who when asked if he wanted his pizza cut into four or eight slices, replied, four, I don't think I can eat eight. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me today is Dr. Michael Helmrath. Dr. Helmrath is an assistant professor of surgery and pediatrics at Baylor College of Medicine and an attending surgeon at Texas Children's Hospital. Today we are discussing the post-operative and long-term care for children who have undergone bariatric surgery. Hi, Dr. Helmrath, and thank you for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Hello. It's my pleasure. If I were the patient, what should I expect in both the short and long term following my bariatric surgery? Immediately following surgery, our patients should expect that um, they're going to need to drink a lot of fluid. Um, in order to break down all that fat, they need to stay very well hydrated. Because their stomach is so small, that's a very difficult task for them to achieve. And they really need to sip fluids pretty much constantly all day long to obtain 64 ounces of fluid that they need uh, to drink per day. As they uh, accommodate to the surgery, we'll slowly introduce softer foods. But when they eat foods, they're going to find that they get full much quicker than they've ever felt before. It's important for them when they start to eat foods, to eat healthy foods, in particular foods with high protein. When they drink, they're going to feel full as well. So tons of eating need to be first done with the solid or soft foods, and then followed by drinking, which is not typical of the way most of us eat. I understand that this initial pouch that's created in the stomach can only hold one to two ounces. How long does it take a child to eat a meal? I mean, when I think of one to two ounces of steak, that'll fit literally in the palm of my hand. Uh, does this meal take them an hour to eat, or what, is the, what do they go through? Well, I, I don't, I'm not sure it takes them longer to eat. They just don't eat as much. They need to sit down and remember to eat three times a day. I think that's the interesting thing is that they're no longer hungry and they have to be reminded to eat. But frequently our patients will have to sit down and eat uh, three and sometimes four meals a day, but they're much smaller quantities than they've ever eaten before. What do you tell the child who comes in and says, Doc, I've got to have a Big Mac and fries or I'll die? Well, they do that all the time. Um, they call and they say, i got to have something. And, and that's important because what they're telling you is that you've taken away their best friend and that they're having stress and that they need to find something to replace that. And there's certainly many options that they can have and that there are different food things that they can eat and that they're going to find that high sugar foods can cause them to feel very uncomfortable because those foods can cause something called dumping, which results in cramping, abdominal pain, and diarrhea because all the sugar is hitting their intestine before it can be diluted in the stomach as it was before. A lot of people believe that's one of the reasons the surgery is successful. So when they say, I need to have some type of food, we need to find them something that can replace it. And that's why the dietitian is very important to be involved because we need to go through, and every patient's different, and we need to find the things that fills their need or satisfies their satiety for why uh, they called us. What about the after-school snack or bedtime snack? Obviously, snacking can be a problem, uh, and that's usually where a lot of what I call you know, dense calories can be, can be obtained. And so we, when they do snack, we want it to be healthy. And there are alternative uh, healthy things that these children can take in. It's really just a matter of working with them. 
Because the surgery changes absorption of nutrients, are there any supplements that the children have to take on a regular basis? Absolutely. It's, it's imperative, we believe, that they take a multivitamin twice a day. That gives them the basic nutrient value uh, vitamins that we believe they need. We often supplement that with additional calcium. And uh, a lot of our females need additional iron as well uh, because they lose the ability to absorb a lot of that uh, because their duodenum no longer sees uh, food. Adolescents are very independent people. How do you achieve compliance? Well, I, I don't think you can totally achieve compliance in adolescence. I think that's the difficulty of what we do, and that's why you need to have the special support group that's used to adolescence. The key of it is is to get the adolescent to understand why they need to do what they need to do and the necessity of, of taking it. And this comes from not just us, but from support from other adolescents who've undergone bariatric surgery. And, and I find that most of my patients learn my requirements for vitamins, not from me, but because the other people who have had the surgery tell them the importance of it. Tell us more about the support groups and how effective they've been. For us, they've been very good. Um, I, we are lucky in that we live in a very large city in Houston, and we keep our patients all within you know, close driving distance. So we meet every couple of weeks, every two weeks, and uh, that allows our preoperative patients to not just meet us, but to meet patients who are similar to them going through the same process, as well as ones who've had the bariatric surgery. From that They've developed many different communication issues. Mostly these kids text page each other and email each other constantly. Uh, and that offers a significant amount of support. Do they talk about food? They sometimes do. Basically, they talk about the need to eat food and, and actually finding a way to replace food. And everyone has their favorite recipe that they love that everyone needs to try. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me is Dr. Michael Helmrath. Dr. Helmrath is an assistant professor of surgery and pediatrics at the Baylor College of Medicine and an attending surgeon at Texas Children's Hospital. We are discussing postoperative and long-term care for children who have undergone bariatric surgery. As these children get older, is pregnancy a problem following bariatric surgery? It is a problem. I think there's nothing that makes a female more fertile than undergoing significant weight loss. And certainly some of our other centers that we collaborate with have seen a very high percentage of their female patients become pregnant. We have avoided that here in that we try and put all of our female patients on some form of birth control pill after surgery. This has multiple benefits. Namely, it, it controls the blood loss from menstruating, which can be quite heavy after uh, a patient has lost a significant amount of weight, and that can contribute to iron loss. But in addition, these children really have never had relationships, and for the first time, their significant attraction to them is something they may or may not be able to uh, appropriately deal with. And I think that also goes along with the psychological support that needs to be given to these patients because they are quite vulnerable. And I do believe pregnancy in the first year, uh, although there's not a lot of medical problems that have been reported, I think causes a significant amount of stress, and I highly try to avoid it. Is there any evidence whether the dietary restrictions pose any risk to the fetus? So a lot of patients have had children within the first year of gastric bypass and compared to the population have not found any differences in malformations or, or pregnancy complications. Yet we do know that uh, many of these patients are so nauseated and unable to keep enough nutrition down that they require hospitalization. 
to maintain their nutritional intake. Uh, and so it is something that we strictly tell them they cannot get pregnant for two years after surgery. But just like everything else, adolescents have a mind of their own, and fortunately we haven't had to deal with that problem here. What have you learned from your patients that you've taken care of? With respect to? The way you practice medicine, your outlook on life? I think bariatric patients are the most grateful patients that you can have. Within these, obese children are very, very bright, creative individuals that have not been able to meet really their potential. And every one of them is a much different person after surgery than before. Uh, and it's very hard for me to, to say, to state that in words. It's something that you see on their face and you see in their actions. And it's truly why, you know, we became pediatric surgeons in that we are interested in five and ten year outcomes. We're interested in lifetimes and families made. And, and I'm really excited in my career to know that I will have patients that I will see family pictures of their wedding, of their first children when their children grow up. Um, and I know I made a difference, and, and that's what it's all about. You mentioned that you had operated on 17 children. How long is the follow-up at this point? So we follow all of our patients. I've told them I want to follow them for at least 10 years after surgery. Our very first patient we did in May 2004, uh, and so we still stay very close in touch with her. So especially after surgery, there isn't a week that goes by that we don't stay in touch with them. But for someone who's two and two and a half years out, we probably want to make sure that we're touch base with them at least every month. From your picture on the Texas Children's Hospital website, I doubt you have much of a weight problem. But if you did, where would you consider having bariatric surgery done? Oh, I don't know. I would say that my waistline is, is no different than most people. Everyone wants to lose another 20, 10 pounds. You know, I, I honestly think that, you know, considering bariatric surgery is that when you're addressing your medical comorbidity. And I think that when you go and you choose someone to do your surgery like anything else, you need to feel comfortable and you need to know that the support exists not just surgically but on all aspects of your disease. And so I would only recommend people going to surgeons and to programs where they feel comfortable. And if you don't feel comfortable, I would recommend seeking other, uh, other caregivers. Are there any questions the patient or family should ask of the doctor? I think the most important thing is to talk to his patient or her patient. This is a very heavily sought-out surgery, and there are a lot of places that provide the actual surgical uh, procedure. But I think that the procedure itself is not the right limiting step. So I also think you need to remember, if you're considering bariatric surgery, that it comes with uh, known comorbidities and that you can't prevent those, but you can treat them better than others and that your best indicators for how the team works is to talk to people who have had a problem because they'll really tell you how good the team functions. Are there other centers where people could look for excellent bariatric surgery? For bariatric surgery in adolescents, I believe the places that we collaborate with that do a very good job include Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, University of Alabama. They've all actually put together very similar programs, and I think they have a lot of uh, support. A lot of other places have started, and I think that if you find a, a hospital in your area that's doing adolescent surgery, you should really just go in and look and see, are they different than their adult patients, and do they have support groups that are structured towards adolescents and not just incorporated with the adult program. It seems like for children, the multidisciplinary team managing their care is essential. In my opinion, it absolutely is critical. Do you have any take-home message for our audience in terms of 
where and when they should refer a child for bariatric surgery? Well, like I said, I've, I evaluate many children who never need bariatric surgery, but I think every, every interaction is a positive one, and the patient can learn a lot of things. Our structure to a healthy lifestyle is not only that for children uh, and for bariatric uh, patients. Uh, and so I offer to see anyone, um, even if I believe very strongly that they won't uh, meet criteria. For example, uh, a child with Prater Willie's family. I want to meet with them because I want to answer the questions as to why they are or are not a good candidate. Because I think education is a big part of treating the obesity problem. This has been such an incredibly useful session. I want to thank Dr. Michael Helmrath, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing postoperative and long-term care for children who have undergone bariatric surgery. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and you've been listening to CMM at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. I wish you good day and good health.